Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. Welcome back to The Scoop, everybody. OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 52. I'm John DeCarlo. Declan Landis is with me today. Coming up, we've got an interview with Elite High School Scouting's Ari Rosenfeld who gave us a great detailed overview of so many of the players Adam Fisher and his staff are recruiting in the 2024 and 2025 classes. So you won't want to miss that. Got some mailbag questions to be answered for you all. A football recruiting updates and basketball recruiting updates. Uh, that scoop once again, as always, brought to you guys by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today, 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. Declan Landis going on buddy you're you are relegated to the basement now it looks like yeah you know it's a tough day to be a podcaster in the landis house uh because my dad had a work meeting and that he has his desk like on the middle floor and then my brother has volleyball clinic tonight something that yeah i love him i don't remember uh but he's got (laughs) volleyball something tonight so he's taking a nap upstairs so here I am in the in the basement, which is not fun, but you got to do what you got to do for good audio. Is that a huge whiteboard in the background? It is, yes. So my dad uh, teaches at a community college, Dell Tech. Shout out Dell okay. Tech. And <laughs> when it was virtual, uh, he would set up his laptop and then he would teach with the whiteboard and he would like write the examples there. It's tremendous. Um, yes. And I'm set up on his, God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I'm set up on his uh slot car racing track that he has down here because it's all over the table so there we go what are you gonna do when you moved away from the mic you did not miss a beat the audio was was intact that whiteboard oh, that's a sizable whiteboard you look like you could just scheme together plans to take over the world on that thing you know i've had some some drawings on this board i've uh-huh. definitely hatched up ideas you know late night working coming down just writing stuff so famous number 52s i feel like this is this is uh, maybe there are a bunch of baseball and basketball ones I'm missing out on. There are two football ones that that come to light for me. One that that Javon would jump at, but what, what do you have for famous number fifty twos? Well, you go first because I think I have more than you. Then, oh, there you go. Um, yeah, no big deal. Uh, Ray Lewis from the Ravens, yes. and then before your time, but sort of my time when I was a kid, Mike Webster, who was a, a center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those mm. are the two. Those are the two that 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 jump out to me. I'm sure there are, that's a linebacker-ish rush. And oh, Khalil, Khalil Mack played at Buffalo. boy. Yep. There's there one. Um, I could probably think of more, but if I'm trying to stay okay. honest to the process, I'll, I'll play Kyle out. this week. I'll play okay. Kyle this week. We'll play a little guessing game. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah, sure. I'm a child. I'm a child of the early 2000s. So this is right. Was I, I was growing up getting into the sport. This guy dominated the game for the early 2010s, played NFC North, a team that wears green and yellow, 
Oh, Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. And then another guy, NFC, uh, NFC West. The team name is a number. 49ers. Uh, give me a sec. Give me a second. Give me a second. Maybe one of the best at this position, at least in recent years. Uh, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. There yes. we go. Okay. And then switching sports. We talked about Jamie Moore a couple weeks ago. This guy absolutely dominated. Well, got dominated in the series in the NLCS, I believe. I was six at the time on the road to the Phillies World Series. Brewers pitcher, but not really known for being a Brewers pitcher. Went to another team uh, and did much better oh, on come that on. other team. It's, uh, who, Retired a couple of years ago. Blanton hit the home run off of him, and Victorino mm-hmm. hit the home run. Oh, come on. Oh. You got it. His, do you want another one? It's not CC, is it? It is CC. Oh my CC God. Sabathia. Yes, 52. it is CC. Yes. Okay. I was thinking of somebody else. I don't know who I was thinking of, but then I needed to reshuffle my brain. Um, got to be around CC at the, um, those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that um, in my work at Temple outside of Scoop. Uh, I am very fortunate to work with Claire Smith. We have the Claire Smith Center for Sports Media, which is named after Claire Smith. And we had a, a couple of Novembers ago, just kind of like a, a kickoff dinner and event at the Hunt and Fish Club up in New York. It was absolutely beautiful up there. And when I tell you just the amount of baseball players who came back to be there for Claire uh, from all sorts of different generations, like I got to sit next to Steve Garvey at dinner. And I, I said to Steve, I was like, this is a trip. I grew up watching you play. Joe Torrey was there. David Cohn was there. I got to ask David Cohn like 20 minutes worth of questions. And CC Sabathia was there and uh, just talked about how much Claire meant to his career, how fair she is, how how skilled and knowledgeable reporter. And um, he looks great. He's like slimmed down. He looks like he's in terrific shape. But uh, yeah, forgot about that. I just oh, think yeah. of him with like, the, he was at the Yankees. It was with the Indians too, right? Uh, I, I think so. Maybe, I don't Should know. I just know picture that, but... him on the Brewers and the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. You have anybody else? My next hint. Uh, no, definitely not. My next hint for you was going to be his name is two letters and that's, that's all I had for you. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, we promised you this, this interview with Ari Rosenfeld. We were going to talk to him last week, but we were able to talk to Khalif Wyatt. And that was a, a, a timely interview there with Khalif being named temple's director of player development again ari we've talked to several times on this podcast and uh, i am inherently biased i've known ari for several years now he's a good friend of mine but he sees as many players around the country as anybody and we know how much all of you you know there's just the the general human nature piece of this with with fandom when it comes to recruiting fans want to know what's next what's ahead and therein lies the interest in recruiting. And Ari can go up, down, left, and right on this list of players that Temple was recruiting from the 2024 class, from the 2025 class. And it's always great to get his insight because he's on the road. He sees these guys constantly a lot more than we do. So you can sit back and, and listen to this, just about any player you want to know about who Temple might be recruiting or is interested in or is offered from the 2020, excuse me, 2024 and 25 class. You're going to hear about them here in this interview, whether it's Matt Gilhul, uh, I think already kind of broke that news today. Matt Gilhul, who played at West Town this past season, was supposed to go to Long Island Lutheran as part of the 2024 class. He's reclassifying to 2025, going to Penn Charter. 
to play for Brandon Williams. He's going to be there with Kai Shinholster. Uh, Kai Shinholster, I should add, uh, talk to Max Dinenberg today. We're going to have a story up on him at some point in the next uh, day or so. So you can look forward to that if you're an Alscoop.com subscriber. But you'll be hearing about Matt, about Kai Shinholster. Just a really good scouting report on all these guys. KJ Cochran, Devin Booker, uh, some guys outside of the area like Isaiah Henry, who Ramir Vaughn wrote about. Uh, so again, sit back and enjoy this. A lot of great recruiting information coming your way. And then we'll have much more for you on the scoop here on the other side. Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting, kind enough to join us. Ari, I, I don't see you nearly enough. We'll have to hang out at some point, get our group of friends together. But today you're kind enough to to join the scoop, talk a little, talk a little shop, talk talk about basketball. What's up, buddy? How are you? Ooh, yeah, no, definitely got to get a summit on the book soon. Shout out to Hot Takes. Um, but <laughs> uh, otherwise, everything's going well. Uh, busy. <laughs> Busy in the world of recruiting right now, as uh, as I'm sure most of your listeners are are aware. Uh, but happy to uh, happy to take some time out in the middle of the week, and look looking forward to it. All right, just give us an update on elite high school scouting and how it's grown since we last talked to you here on the scoop. Like I said, really busy time for elite high school scouting right now. We're right in the middle of, frankly, getting towards the end of uh, another July recruiting uh, period with a. Uh, another new calendar from the NCAA that we're all kind of getting used to. Uh, I just was out in Vegas this past weekend for what was kind of a last minute addition to the recruiting calendar of just a two day live period uh, that coaches were allowed out on the road, uh, mostly watching kids, their AAU teams. Uh, and then I'll be heading to Memphis Monday. Uh, coaches will be down there Monday through Thursday for what's, I guess the second edition of the NCAA academies. Uh, the last one's being back in 2019 before COVID and they look a lot different, you know, this year than they did in the first iteration. So um, yeah, definitely a busy, busy stretch for elite high school scouting. I've been on the road as well as uh, Tom Keller, our our VP of scouting. Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, I re- you know feel comfortable saying there's nobody seeing more prospects up and down the the East Coast than than myself and Tom uh, under the elite the elite brand and continuing sort of the same way that that I built that out from the Philly area, sort of gradually organically building that out from you know the Northeast and the East Coast to to across the country. Declan, this is where we look into the fair use rules again. We could say. At this point, we could play Carly Simons. Nobody does it better to pay tribute to Ari in in, in his uh, in his skills as a, as a as a recruiting analyst and a talent evaluator. So we'll we'll, you know, we'll look into that maybe see if the Alscoop budget can cover a, a new music license. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Uh, that okay. should be no problem. I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, but Ari, you mentioned that you know you went to Vegas. You're heading to Memphis. Nobody sees more people up and down the East Coast. Like, can you take us through? Uh, like a typical day or a typical trip for you? And, you know, how do you evaluate the players that you look at? I guess I, I, I can hit that in a few parts. Um, typical day, I mean, part of what I love about my job is there really is almost no such thing or or, or there are, but it, but it's very dependent on time of year or, or um, you know, depending on time of the year, day of the week, you, you know, during the season, my uh, weekdays look different than my weekends during AAU season. I'm, I'm pretty much in the gym all weekend and my weeks are a lot more sort of free to, to break down how I choose. So um, it's kind of hard to take through a typical day. That, that that really is one of the things that I love about sort of running elite high school scouting and, and being in the basketball industry. But then on the road, it's a lot easier because pretty much when I'm on the road, I, you know, people ask me about some of like the, the cities or towns that I'm in. And it's like, I really don't get a clear picture because I'm pretty much usually in a gym from close to like 8 to 9 a.m. through, <laughs> you know, 10, 10, 30 at night normally. So it's wherever is open to grab a bite to eat and then back to a hotel and get my schedule sort of sorted out for uh for the next day. Some of 
some of my friends will, will tell you I'm kind of <laughs> I can be the lame guy on the road sometimes who you know you're not trying to get into too much so um mm-hmm. yeah and then as far as like what, what I'm looking for when I evaluate um again I, I'm in an interesting boat where I work with a lot of different clients of all kinds of different levels of, uh, of basketball from you know division three up through through the NBA so what I'm looking for in some ways dep- is is dependent on uh, sort of what kit I'm looking at and and what lens I'm looking at them through. But just sort of on a base level, I say like, you know, just talking to anybody who wants to get into scouting, I always say like, I, I key for me is starting with the physical, especially when you're looking at a kid in person is starting, you know, what's their body look like? How tall are they really? Like some things as simple as that. <laughs> a kid in social media's day and age could be six, seven and then turn six, five really quickly when you get to see him in person. Um, So that's important to know. It's important for me to be able to get to my clients to know and then how they move, how they interact with teammates. Um, Then obviously, it, 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 you know, uh, we like to get on our soapbox, but oh, we look for you know, the best competitor and the best teammate. And we do. And that's certainly a really important um, separator. But we're also just looking for the most talented kids. And sometimes it's not as complicated as um, as we make it seem. It's just, um, you know, a matter of, of putting the time in and, and, and going out to see them. Um, so it's not always as much of a, you know, expert eye as necessary. It's just, you know, being willing to, to dedicate, dedicate the time to actually go see kids and do your due diligence, make sure everything's what it's kind of being purported as. And when you're on the road and you're evaluating different prospects, you know, you you definitely you don't just see the kids. You also see the other coaches there, too. And now in your time, you've covered different eras of Temple basketball, going back to Fran Dunphy and now more recently, Aaron McKee. Yep. I know he hasn't coached a game yet, but what are your early impressions of Adam Fisher as a Temple's head coach? And uh, when it comes to how he's recruiting and how he carries himself on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I mean, so so similar so like you said, you know, I've dealt with different areas of temple staffs and all the other things. You also d- deal with different with the same people, but in different uh in different jobs. So I've dealt with with, with Fish going back to um, when he was at Miami. Um, and honestly, I, I I the probably the biggest compliment I could pay him is he moves no differently as a head coach at Temple than he did as assistant coach at Miami, assistant coach at Penn State. You know, f- Fish is Fish is Fish. He's himself. And I think some of the the beauty of him as a person is he can um, in some ways be a little bit of a chameleon and fit in with a lot of different crowds and a lot of different people and make a lot of people feel comfortable. I think that's why he's been been so successful as a recruiter. And as I always pointed out, specifically when he was at Miami, recruiting some of the kids from up here, they were all very different kids and very different circles to navigate. And and, and he did a really good job of it. And, and, and so far, I mean, like you said, it's very, very early. And a lot of the, the, the stuff in the portal was really getting done behind the scenes just because of the nature of how, how that recruiting gets done. But, um, you know, outwardly, I mean, I think there's a, you know, somewhat of in, in a way that there always is with the new staff, but I think some of it's specific to fish that there's, there's a little bit of a different energy out on the recruiting trail that looks like we're looking to take some big swings as we'll talk about, I think, especially in that 2025 class where, you know, recruiting is very in flux right now, year to year, but as things stand today, it looks like Temple is going to have a pretty big 2025 recruiting class. They're looking to, to to take some big swings to high school level, obviously, in addition to to what they're doing in the portal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think a little bit of a reinvigorated energy, um, and and yeah, some of that you can ascribe to new staff. Some of it's definitely been fishing, just the way that in general he kind of he kind of goes about recruiting for 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 years, and he's definitely kind of carried that over into his first his first head coaching role. All right, before we get into to just kind of going down the list with some of the, the players we want to ask you about who you've seen and you know so well, I, I want to get a mailbag question in here. And it's just like one of the big topics, obviously, I'm sure you get asked about. This is from an Al Scoop subscriber. The screen name is TUALSFAN2004. Uh, his question is, Ari, how have things changed for you with what you do, with how transfers have gained utmost importance while recruiting out of uh, out of grassroots and high schools? And have has that led them to lose some importance. I mean, again, it's, we talked about it last year, but 
Again, the portal's not going anywhere. NIL isn't going anywhere. How much does that change things from a from a grassroots level now? Uh, I mean, we could do a whole, whole sure. They, yeah. you, you know, and I, like you said, I, I think we definitely talked about it for for length of time before. But I will say, I mean, you know, just from how it changes for for what I do, I mean, just on a very basic level, like I just have to send out a transfer report every you know now every March and April, and that really takes precedent over any of the high school recruiting stuff that that I'm doing during that time. During a point this March, it would have felt like an idiot if I was sending out a high school you know scouting reports because that's where that's not where any of my clients heads were at so i could do it but it wasn't really going to be meeting anybody's needs so it just sort of kind of had to pivot on the fly a little bit you know with that from a you know just a very practical sense but then also to, i mean i'd be lying if it hasn't changed how i evaluate a player and uh i think most clients of mine and you know other colleagues we just discussed players would would have always said i'm a little bit harder on guys and a little bit you know a little bit lower on on your average kid than than your average scout is going to be the transfer portal has only made me go more in that direction because there's just so much emphasis on what can a kid do right away so much of college basketball is year to year right now so much of jobs on the coaching side are year to year right now and even you know it used to be you you'd have a new staff come in and they got at least four years that was just almost an unwritten rule you had multiple staffs this past year that turned over after two years. So if you're, no matter where you are um, on on your contract and your life cycle as a coach, I mean, you, you've really got to be looking at, hey, we need to we need to win this year. And so for a freshman to come in and 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 do that, it's a higher bar than it's ever been before, especially while you have kids who are getting their extra COVID years. I mean, that's only augmenting the issue. So yeah, I mean, especially, especially at the power five level and 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 the level Temple wants to compete at, it's rare than ever for me to call a kid a high major kid out of high school because if you can't come in and do it right away, then it almost just all becomes a crapshoot after that. Especially now with with you know where some of these kids and their their families and their circles are at in terms of wanting things right away. Now it's all right if the kid's not going to play right away, I need to factor in how I think he's going to handle mentally, like not playing and fighting through that, and if he's going to transfer, if the school's going to stick stick by him and 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 have a commitment to developing him or if not it's probably safer for me to put a lower grade on the kid most prevalent i think at the high major level but but you see it trickle down you know really all the way across the board i want to see if i could ask you a couple quick follow-ups on that just to spin off of that is to some of that and again i'm not trying to sound antiquated the game is where it is right now and like we said nil is not going anywhere the portal is not going anywhere and I, i think guys should be able to go where they want to go and they definitely should be able to uh to monetize their name, image, and likeness, but does it in some ways kind of take the fun out of your job? Because isn't, isn't some of the fun, like watching, watching guys get better and watching them improve. Does that kind of take a little bit away from it? Does that take a, a tad bit of a fun out of the process for you sometimes? Um, yeah, it's, it, it, you, you know me well. Yeah, it, it, mm. it, it definitely does. Somebody like me could really make their, uh, their reputation was on, Hey, like you're going to, you know, recommending, Hey, take this kid and, and develop them for a year, two mm. years maybe redshirt him and then give him another year to sit out. And like by that sophomore year, you're going to get a rotation player. And by that junior and senior year, you're going to get a starter. And like that wouldn't have been a kid you would have been looking at taking if I hadn't given that recommendation and played out that, um, you know, that, that, that potential scenario. These days it's almost like I can't a good conscience look at a coach and say, hey, you should take this kid if it's going to take a year of a redshirt and then another year of sitting out and then a year in a rotation before he's ever really able to, to to give you anything because because who's to say that coach is going to be there by that time right. and, you know that app is going to be there and who's to say that kid is actually going to going to see it through so those scenarios are very very few and far between where it's got to be a program that you know i have a really good relationship with that that i know how they they still operate they i trust that they still 
see value in developing a high school kid and they have frankly they have to have a degree of security in their their um their job and on their campus to be able to do that and then it has to be on on the other side a kid that i trust that no like this kid's not gonna you know come in red shirt and then bolt you know if he does get really good or um isn't gonna come in and and you know with some outside expectation and rock the boat so yeah no it does um it takes away some of that i mean it, but at the same time i mean there's the, there's just these new dynamics where there, there is still that where you can say hey like no don't take this kid now maybe like let this kid go to a go to a mid-major school for a couple years first yeah. and then come out of the port it's, it's, so 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 it's just it, it 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 all looks a little bit different it's still changing i think everyone's still kind of figuring it out unfortunately on the fly to an extent um and unfortunately for some of the kids when it's on the fly like they're they're realized it's takes that they, they don't get to do it yeah. over again Mm-hmm. Um, once everybody has it figured out, but, um, yeah, you were, you know, we're even seeing schools right now get creative of, Hey, like recruiting a kid saying, Hey, like almost use us as your JUCO or your prep school, come here for a year to develop and and then we'll help you move on. And, you know, and, and add new wrinkles to, to my job that, that, that keep it interesting and keep it fun. So, but no, I mean, you definitely hit it on the head where like that, 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 um, traditional projection of, Oh, like you might be able to get a, a diamond in the rough or a late bloomer that really like develops in your program. That's almost, they're getting very, very few and far between. And those are definitely some of the fun parts of the job. So, And along those lines, do you see some guys who maybe have more of a sense of urgency to decide because depending on who's recruiting them, they could have 20 programs looking at them. And maybe 14 of those 20 programs might say to a kid, hey, we've offered you, we ought to know in a week like they're essentially they could they be a little bit more liable to get squeezed now because that staff might say hey we got to know because we've got a guy that we could get to commit out of the portal right now is it putting is it forcing high school players to have a little bit more of a sense of urgency instead of drawing their recruitments out yeah and again i mean i think it's uh uh, uh, almost anything we can discuss right now is is a little bit different at like that power six and Mm -hmm fringe power six level than than everywhere else but no at that level you're certainly i think seeing more kids commit certainly i mean you know they're flying off the board right now but i you know even like before the april live period which used to be pretty rare for kids to, you know april going into april finishing out their junior year going into their senior year um you're seeing a lot of kids at that level kind of come off the board and the, you know there's a lot of reasons for that i mean they're able to take junior year official visits now so there's a comfort level they're able to establish with the school maybe a little bit sooner than they would have been otherwise but then there's definitely yeah also you know, pressure and and then just some honest conversations with the from 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 both sides. When it when it's done right, that's the way that it's done. It's just very honest conversations of, hey, this is where we're at. We really love you right now. We're more than willing to take your commitment. And you know, where it gets a little tricky is, hey, we're willing to take your commitment, but there's actually like six or nine months till you can sign anything <laughs> official. So we might try to get out of that commitment in between now and then. But those situations are 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 hopefully few and far between. But for the most part, yeah, you know, we really like you. We're willing to take your commitment now, but we're about to go out for April and we might see five, 10 other kids who, who we like for those spots. And that might change in a week or two, but you know, if you want to commit right now, then, then cool. We'll just go and look at 2025 kids or we'll, we'll, we'll stay off the road and host this transfer on a visit. So, so, so yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely leading to, to kids families committing early. I think you're seeing a lot of high school and AAU coaches doing a pretty good job of getting the message out there of, Hey, like this isn't what things looked like three, five years ago. Like once you start getting some offers, really start to take them seriously, no matter what level they're at um and and kind of be in decision making mode a little bit sooner than you would have been before if you're if you're so lucky to have options because then the flip side is kids that normally would have had a lot of offers april june you know july going into their senior years but if you're not that bona fide stud guy then a lot of those offers are, are aren't coming in until a little bit later once schools know what their classes look like once schools know what 
what might be in the portal, um, what they might need, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really like if you're lucky enough to have options at an early stage, I think the 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 message is kind of out that you're taking some big risks if you don't really try to hunker down and and you know start making some decisions. Mm-hmm. Now let's get into it here with a lot of these names that that are going to be of interest for for Temple fans listening to this podcast. Um, uh, a piece of news that you broke today was that uh, Matt Gilhul, who played at, at West Town this past season, was uh, initially head to Long Island Lutheran as part of the 2024 class, is reclassifying to 2025. He's going to Penn Charter to play for Brandon Williams. And with Kai Schinholster, a, a guard from the 2025 class, Temple's recruiting both these guys. Um, I know Fish has, has loved Gilhul and recruited him since he was an assistant. Um, like a Shrewsbury staff at Penn State, and he offered him as soon as he could at Temple. Uh, let's start with him uh, and an evaluation of what his game is and I guess maybe what an extra year could mean for him too now. Yeah, so Matt's kind of your your modern um, big, sort of right? perimeter-based. Yeah, sort of like perimeter-based, big, stretch four. Brandon's listening to this. You know, we probably go back and forth a little bit as to whether to stretch four or, or stretch five uh, or kind of, you know, the answer probably lies somewhere in between and it depends on on system and fit and where he goes and all that. But no, m- m- modern big, uh, about 6'10", uh, probably pushing 6'11", lefty, kind of has that added wrinkle to his game. And from when I first saw Matt, what really stood out to me was always just his coordination, his his dexterity, his fluidity for a guy at his size. He can do everything, you know, like I said, left-handed technically, but can really do everything with either hand. And that's from, you know, just around the basket to, you know, going out and handling the ball on the perimeter and, you know, throwing passes off a live dribble with his right hand. Stuff that you just don't that, that that comes really naturally to Matt that you don't see a lot of guys do at his size. You, you know where he started to make strides, and I think the extra year will give him help to just continue to make those strides. Is you know Matt's just like kind of pretty late to the game, and and even later to to the game at a really high level. Having started out at Elizabethtown, um, out in the Lancaster area, having been a little you know Matt was more focused on on volleyball for you know most of his his younger life. You know really up until high school. Um, you know wasn't until his 15U year they got with Philly Pride, and that was really his first taste of high-level basketball. And that was all right in the midst of of COVID and still being out um, at Elizabethtown, where as a big guy, it can be really hard to get kind of proper development and and, and competition that's going to breed that development. So uh, I think where we see that extra year is just allowing kind of all his natural gifts. And, his, and he has a really natural feel for the game, but just to kind of en- uh, enable that to to blend with some experience and playing against other big guys and, and, and just playing against other high-level athletes that he's going to see at at the level he's looking to play at in college that, that, that he's still for a guy his age touted as he's been just really doesn't have that much experience with. Mm-hmm. And what about Kai Schinholster? Yeah. So Kai's a guy that's really been on a tear since, since those, he really, really took advantage of those June life periods, probably mm-hmm. as much as anybody, certainly in the Philly area guy who played as a sophomore with, with, with a, a senior class that had pretty much all started and played since freshman year, really helped turn the Penn charter program around uh, after some down years and also specifically included Kai's older brother. And I think, you know, they're more than welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a degree of where, you know, Kai was very comfortable playing that little brother role and being that sophomore in a class, you know, around a class full of seniors. And you could tell by certain points last year, hey, like Kai's the best player on the court right now, or Kai's certainly the the, the best prospect, but, but there were really times where it was, no, Kai's the best player on the court. It just didn't seem like he always knew it or had the aggressiveness that would, would align with that. And I think coming out in June, with a new high school team, same high school, but, but those seniors haven't graduated and, and, you know, a guy like Gilhul not being in the mix yet, it was really on Kai to go out and, you know, if we're going to compete, we need you to score 25, 30 points. And he went out and did it. And I think it sort of took that, that needing him to do it, to to turn that light on aggressiveness wise. 
because he always had the skill set for it. And he just come out and carried it right into July with 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 Taylor Lead against a higher level of athletes and higher level of uh of length and strength and all that on the Adidas circuit uh, than he was seeing in June. So um, he really like he, he, you know came out and hit the ground running. And I think a lot of it, uh, you know, he's growing and he's getting more athletic and and you know still weighs about a buck buck fifty buck fifty five pounds. So it's not doing it with any muscle, but you just see the confidence really really starting to uh to uptick and and his game's taken off as as it does. Ari, somebody I want to ask about is Isaiah Pasha. You know, he played the 2023 year at Cardinal O'Hara, had signed with Iona. Now he's in the uh, 2024 year. He's going to do a post-grad year at St. Thomas More. Can you talk a little bit about his recruitment? You know, it's somebody that Adam Fisher has already offered. What can you tell us about him? Um, yes, yeah, so honestly, Isaiah is a guy that's kind of a poster child for when John asked a few minutes ago about, uh, you know, does it remove some of the fun of not having those developmental roles um, anymore? And, and and Isaiah is a guy I can really directly point to where I think like three to five years ago, I would have felt a lot more comfortable saying to a high major coach, like, hey, like you take this kid and work with them, develop them again, maybe even redshirt them. This is especially as a, as a 2023. It's a kid who hasn't prepped yet. You, you know, take them as a 17 year old, redshirt him, work on his body a little bit develop his jump shot a little bit and like he's got some tools that are really going to you know translate to a high level in your league and and maybe have some things that a guy with the already had done the work on his body and done the work on his jump shot becomes a guy that you're not able to get at the school that you're at the the reality is that that those spots especially for guards are very very few and far between at the high major level and that's where you end up with a kid like Isaiah who's just been in a weird boat in his recruitment where going back to 2023 he um has an image of himself and and in many ways rightfully so is a, a, at least a borderline high major player if not a high major player and by the time he committed to Iona in 2023 that was almost his only real committable offer and that's you know obviously it was a little bit different with Rick Pitino there but still the 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 uh you know the MAC conference isn't what you think of when you think of borderline high major basketball so having had everything play out the way that it did at Iona and now being in the class of 2024 Fortunately for Isaiah, he's still sort of in the same boat where he's come out and had a pretty good spring and summer and answered some questions that that guys who who had seen him in 2023 wanted to see answered. There's just still not that much movement on the scholarship front. So he winds up in a boat where, I mean, you know, right now, Temple's one of the really the only main schools that, that, that are recruiting him. Um, I think if he were to commit today, they stand um, in a pretty good place. I don't think I'm, uh, it, it, you know, speaking out of turn there. But I also think Zay's not in any rush to commit today, as it, as it seems. And, and is going to probably try to look to play things out into at least into his prep school fall. And he's, he's going to be at one of the few prep schools that actually does get a lot of schools in there in the fall for open gym. And he'll be able to see him in a fresh light and what have you. Bottom line is it's just still really hard to move the needle by that point, you, 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 you know, as a guy that, that that a lot of schools are seeing. So I think it's definitely going to be a name that keeps that 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 stays in the loop with Temple for a little bit now. I know there's been some talks about him maybe even coming as a 2023. You know, with Temple still having a couple of scholarships, I, I you know things are very fluid. Things could always change, but but as of right now, I don't necessarily see that happening. I think he's you're going to see him wind up in prep school this fall and um, still be a name that Temple you know Temple's right there with. He's just really you know like I said, really an interesting test case of of a lot of how the new recruiting works and you know some of the tough situations it winds up putting kids in. And another guy that Temple's offered from that 2024 class, Angelo, Angelo Siravino from Chicago's Mount Carmel High School. You actually went and saw him this past weekend. What can you tell us about him? What, what did you see? Yeah, I mean, a, a guy I was really looking forward to seeing, uh, not having seen the the Under Armour Championships in Atlanta during that first July session. He was probably one of the the bigger names coming out of there, just guys that someone who have your verbal commits notifications on like I do. You know, it felt like you were always seeing these new tweets of of, of new offers for this Angelo Siravino. 
Um, and no matter what the region is, I'm always interested when you see a guy, you, you know, he was in June, he picked up a bunch of regional mid-major offers, and then you just start to see it level-wise slowly start to creep up the more guys start to see him. Um, so he was somebody, by the time I got to Vegas, I think he had Northwestern. Stan- uh, he's Stanford I mean, now, yeah, right? He, yeah, I forget if Stanford came right, right before Vegas or right afterwards. But either way, you know, a guy who was clearly starting to bubble onto the high-major radars as more guys started to see him. So I was looking forward to it and, and you know, saw him for two games on Friday when I got into town in Vegas. And no, definitely an interesting prospect. You could see see the high major appeal. Again, like this is where I'm a little bit harsher. Like somebody I'd probably say, like looking at again for the first two games ever, would probably say like a better fit, in, you know, that that sub power six level, but, you know, that tier right below, like where Temple is trying to compete. I think St. Joe's would offer them as well. Like a guy who would be a great fit for St. Joe's, you know, or Temple just off, off of my first impression. And, um, stylistically speaking, was was, was just an interesting watch because I think speaks a little bit to some of the differences in the way Adams trying to recruit to the way that Aaron recruited in terms of you know obviously it's the same school and the same university but they're different people and different basketball minds and different coaches and I think their their preferences and styles of play are going to be a little different. The first things I would look for in a guy for Aaron would be length and and, and athleticism um, and toughness. The first things I'm looking for 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 Fish are going to be feel for the game and offensive versatility and especially shooting. And I'd say Seravino, from what I saw in two games, is somebody that has all those in spades. Is a guy six five, six six, actually pretty, you know, pretty bouncy and athletic around the rim, but just really knows how to play. Uh, had a confidence, had a kind of freewheeling style to his game that was fun to watch. Um, so, a guy that you know, I can't speak to to where they stand in his recruitment if he's interested in a Temple versus, you know, obviously like a Northwestern or a Stanford are very different type of opportunities. Um, but I think other than those two, Temple probably is quote unquote his highest level offer so no i mean certainly somebody that would think fits the way that aaron or, i'm sorry that adam is going to want to play um and somebody talent wise that certainly doesn't look like you're compromising uh anything on that front to, to to be able to bring them in for fit all right for for 2024 i would imagine that there maybe are a few other names that we haven't heard as much about who might be drawing some some temple interest anything you can tell us there about some other guys you, you've seen over the past couple of weeks that are getting some some looks from temple that we don't know yeah. about yet yeah, I mean, as, you know, as I think we discussed, and and a lot of your listeners know, it's probably looking like a a somewhat smaller 2024 high school class right now for 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 Temple. Um, right. and a lot of focus being being put on 2025. But you know, a lot of the news has been about Pasha and Gilhul, and for a while that was really on, for a while really the only two that were were heavy uh and 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 high on the board. So yeah, I mean, I I, I think you'll start to see um coming out of uh of this last July period, Temple start to you know, really sit down. And I, th- you know, they've definitely been evaluating a lot of guys in this 24 class. And I think start to really sit down and buckle down on, all right, who, who do we really w- you know, want to try to zero in on? Who might we want to try to bring to campus? Who really likes us? And sometimes, you know, that's a, a factor in it as well. Um, so like a couple of names, I know specifically a kid, uh, Felix Casares, who uh, is up in Canada. He plays at a, mm-hmm. a school called Fort Erie International, uh, which is really on the upswing in Canada. They just, uh, Leonard Miller was a high second round pick of the Timberwolves just came out of there a couple of years ago, plays for Brookwood elite on the Adidas circuit. So I know he's a guy that coach Clark and, and, and coach Fisher were evaluating over the last couple of weeks, actually a coach who were out in Vegas as well. So um, I think that's where they're at for the most part with a few guys as a staff is sort of just haven't given everybody a chance to get their own eyes on them and form their opinions and, and, and see who they can all kind of come to a unanimous agreement on. I think another guy you'll, you'll, you'll see them start to evaluate a little bit more is a, a big fellow by the name of Chang ring. Uh, who's out in the Minnesota area. Uh, goes to Park Center High School and plays for Jay Sizzle on the Adidas circuit. Uh, and he's actually going to be at the NCAA Academy in Memphis. I think you'll see Temple, uh, you know, at least g- give an evaluation. One thing, obviously, with with Gilhul having been such a, a big priority in 2024, and now him moving back into the 2025 class, I do think you'll start to see them, you know, still probably try to look in a big man, 
still try to look to bring in a big man in that 2024 class. And now that Matt's off the board, you, you know, off the table to 2024, you'll start to see them look look, look elsewhere and 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 reevaluate some of those guys. Be so don't be surprised if Chang Ring ends up being a uh, a guy you start to hear a little bit about as it pertains to Temple. So uh, you know, sort of you know, another similar to Matt, sort of modern um, face up big, really active blocking shots as well, which I think is sort of the 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 mold that Fisher's looking to play with at the five. Now, shifting back to that 2025 class again, like like you said, you know, as of now. I know people tease me for saying this, like you said, things are fluid as we're sitting here now on Wednesday, July 19th, we would probably reasonably say that, yeah, Temple's probably going to be maybe a little more portal heavy in 2024 and then maybe make a big local push in 25. One of the guys that they really like and a lot of other programs like is KJ Cochran, who's going to go play at the Perky Omen School after playing at Westchester East. Uh, tell us about him, uh, another name that um, that they're probably going to be really focused in on. Yep, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's fair to say, well, as of, three hours ago definitely would have been fair to say he was a top name in 2025 i don't want to say he's you know above or below matt gilhul now that matt's in 2025 but i think yeah probably fair to say he's you know he's been temple's top 2025 target up until this point in the time you know really over the last month they've been able to make a big push uh, directly with those kids june 15th is when 2025 kids could start getting contacted directly by by division one schools so yeah kj's can really really score the ball and and what also stands out to me is he's just a really high field player just just always kind of it uh, was also a quarterback um i don't know if he's going to still be playing at parky omen but was a quarterback at westchester east um but you can just kind of see that just natural nose for the ball sense for you know how his body works and how how players are going to move about the court, you know, similar to how a quarterback would see a game just, to, you know, and it's not just from his passing. It's down to like his getting in the right position for rebounds. He's a really, really high level rebounding guard and sticking his hands in for, for little defensive plays that, that just not a lot of guys would see. And then on top of that, he's just, you know, turning into a really, really <laughs> advanced shot maker and shot creator um, on top of that. So really like a lot of what you look for in your modern, your, your, your modern lead guard, like certainly wouldn't call KJ a traditional point, uh, he's going to take some tough shots that that if someone were to call him a traditional point, they'd make your your traditionalist shutter. But a guy you're going to put the ball in his hands and he's really going to make create offense for himself, create offense for his teammates, really, really plays hard. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say just like all, uh, one of the kids that like anybody who's around him is going to rave about him as a kid and, and, and as a worker and a competitor. So certainly somebody that, you know, as of right now, I think Temple would love to be building my 2025 class around and somebody from from what I've seen, I can't see any reason why why that wouldn't be a home run. And uh, another guy locally here in Philly, uh, Devin Booker, a guy who's at Cristo Ray where Deontay Christmas is on the staff there. What can you tell us about Devin Booker? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I guess the interesting place to start is, I mean, three uh, of the guys we talked about in 2025, I guess Matt Gilhul being the only exception. These are all guys from the Kalo Elite program. So yep. would be remiss if I didn't shout out Lonnie Lowry and, and Kyle Sample and Chris Harris. And yeah, we even include Tyler Sandora, Owl Scoop family. Um, Tyler. Yep. So yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, all those guys are in the same organization right now. KJ playing on the 17s mm -hmm. and I and, uh, and Devin playing together on the 16s. And Devin is probably your least, least natural of the three, certainly, but also like probably your most naturally athletically gifted of the three, just, you know, super long arms, high shoulders, like, you know, your, your prototypical basketball frame uh, with, with, with really, really twitchy leaping ability um, as well. A really, really high motor, uh, and a kid who just really, really worked and and give him a lot of credit for really like, you know, him and, and, and like I said, all the guys I just named between Kalo and Crystal Ray, who have really helped like build that kid's game. Because at Boys Latin a few years ago, he was really just a, a long kind of jumping jack who had no idea what he was doing out there. And now he's a guy you might see him hit eight, you know, seven or eight threes in a game and 
um, defend the other team's best player. And, you know, those are things you could all maybe see the the raw, raw outlines of, but you wouldn't have necessarily felt comfortable on betting betting on all of it getting to the point that it's gotten to. You know, I still I still think he has room to go in terms of taking what he does in in, in a workout and in drills and, and really implementing it into a game consistently and, and doing it with feel, which I think is going to be something that Fish is going to really lock in on over the next – little bit with recruiting him is is is, is does he fit into a, a a really high field type offense that we want to have but the, the the athleticism the chip on his shoulder the toughness the defense all of that and, you know, and then the shooting ability the raw shooting ability that, that that's going to be really important for anybody that that fish looks to bring in on the perimeter guy i've got to ask about his name alone <laughs> is at all interest uh because of his name because of what he's done so far and it is a good career he's had so far at saint joe's prep because his father used to coach at Temple, and that's that's Jared McKee. I'm sure Temple fans are curious about him. A lot of fans are. Um, you know, on one hand, some fans might think, well, he's not going to end up at Temple because Temple and his father parted ways. And sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, Aaron's wife is probably going to make a push for Jaron to go to a high academic school like a like a Northwestern if he can play there. But again, things can change, and and Temple fans are are always going to have a keen interest in him. Tell us about Jared McKee. Again, he's he's had a good career so far at St. Joe's Prep, but uh, still has a couple of years left. What what do you think of Jaron and his game, and where do you think he's where do you think he's headed? Not yep. in terms of where he's headed to college, but where's his game headed from here? Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean the 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 biggest thing for Jaron since he stepped foot in high school, um, and I started watching him, uh, and I think anybody who's watched him since then would would, would identify as his jump shot. And with that said, is is um, you know hand in hand to that is just his overall efficiency. Uh, he's somebody that has scored in double figures, you know, average in double figures in the Catholic League from his freshman year, but was doing it shooting like 50% from the field. And almost, I mean, I, I want to say he's close to a 45% three-point shooter uh, through two years of high school so far and has done very similar things in AAU with the with the New Jersey Scholars as well, playing EYBL. So what's interesting about, about Jaron is when you would look at him as a freshman, knowing who his father is, you think, oh, like, this really, you know, baby face lanky kid is just going to shoot up and be, you know, six five, six six, or get pretty athletic, kind of like his dad was. Jaron right now is still probably like a little, a little short of six three, and that athleticism hasn't really uh, kicked in yet. I mean, it, it, I'm not sure I've ever seen Jaron dunk in a game. I know he has. I'm just not sure I've been at a game, you know, live to see it. So that puts him in an interesting spot where he he's still just as productive, and while moving up in levels and and, and ages, remain just as productive. Um, but just in terms of projecting his level, it's still a little bit based on, all right, is that physical jump still going to come? And is it going to come a little later? Or maybe, you know, not everything's, not everyone has a crystal ball just because that's 6'6 doesn't mean that the kid's going to be. And, and and so that his game is is, is so refined and, and, and his skill set is so refined. A lot, of, a lot of where he winds up on level is going to be based on that stuff that you can't predict, which is going to be the physical. If he stays where he is right now, I think he's going to be a guy that 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 is right around Temple's bottleneck um in terms of purely in terms of level obviously there's a lot of other uh, a, a, a lot of other context to that recruitment as it pertains to temple specifically but um yeah so right now he's somebody that's like really knocking on the door of that mid to high major level like a guy that that talent wise is right in the level the temple is going to be recruiting at if we come back next summer and jaron's six five or jaron's still six three but has gotten a lot stronger and is playing way above the rim he could be a top 70 kid in the country so so, so it's really just going to be a matter of that and that's the stuff Frankly, look, those are some of the things that make the job fun because there's times where you just have to kind of throw your hands up and say it's impossible to predict because, you know, uh, you know, none of us are God. None of us know a kid's going to grow physically. And moving on to another um, member of the 2025 class, but guys outside the area we wanted to ask you about. So the first one we're thinking about is Ramir Vaughn, just from our staff, just wrote a piece about him. Isaiah Henry from the Canyon yep. School in North Carolina. Can you tell us a little bit about him? 
Yep, no, so Isaiah is a, uh, another example of a guy that um, I think Temple knows that they're swinging a little high on right now. A uh, guy that uh, has, I think, Clemson, maybe like Georgia. I know, you know a couple of ACC and SEC offers um, mm-hmm. being down in the North Carolina area, kind of being in that country. You, you know, and I, I, obviously Temple knows that. And I, I think Fish in particular is somebody that is not going to be afraid to go up against some of those schools. And, and especially in a day and age where, you know, recruiting is so fluid, just because you have those schools now doesn't mean that by – you know, signing time, whether it's going to be April, whether it's going to be next summer, that those schools are still going to be there. And so, um, yeah, you know, I think he's a guy that they've identified as someone that really fits it there about, um, and, and, you know, in an area that they've had some success with, success with that Chris Clark specifically has had, had success recruiting out of North Carolina and has some relationships that, that might be able to help get them involved with the kid that they normally wouldn't be. So, yeah, I mean, just as far as his game, I mean, Isaiah's really, really powerful scoring guard. He comes from a football family. His brother's, uh, I think, a linebacker at Clemson. Yeah, played at Clemson, and now he's with the Commanders. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you look at Isaiah, your first question is, "Man, why does that kid play football?" Because <laughs> he's mm-hmm. got you know, he's got the prototypical build for it. Um, but by no means is he like a bull in a china shop on a basketball court. I mean, he's probably about six three. Like I said power guard, but but can really create his own shot. Can really really get out in transition. Pretty talented shot maker. Really really tough kid, and a guy I think just stylistically. Just speaking of like some of the recent Penn State teams. Um, you've seen a, a a guy I think ideally you you would see if he were at Temple start to to play almost in a way that like uh, Miles Dread played at Penn State, where he's smaller in stature but he's so strong and physical and and, and in Isaiah's case really bouncy and athletic that he's able to play a lot bigger and I think that's gonna you know functionally a lot bigger and I think that's gonna be you know fit for how Fish wants to play and then he's just another interesting boat too where where this is me talking not the staff but in today's day and age somewhat you recruit the kid of all right like maybe he is gonna we're gonna recruit him really hard and and. Ultimately, we're you know maybe he's going to go to Clemson or Georgia, but maybe it's not going to work out the way he thinks it is at Clemson or Georgia. And a year or two later, it's going to pay for us to have had that year and a half you know established relationship. Maybe to have already had him on an official visit in high school, and, and so we don't have to be playing as much catch up if the kids in the portal. So I think you know you know that's a, a, another another dynamic that, that that you're seeing that's new in recruiting today, where sometimes you're recruiting a kid as much for you know quote unquote the bounce back, the bounce back, as, yeah, as you call it. you know, as you are for for the first time. And you mentioned Chris Clark's relationship in North Carolina, you know, worked there, worked as an assistant at Campbell. He's recruited Damian Dunn, J.P. Mormon, Justin Hamilton from down there. Another guy they're looking at is Jalen Cross. Can you what can you tell us about Jalen Cross? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, first place to start is Jalen's an AAU teammate um, of Isaiah's. They both play for Team CP3 organization. They had a, a nice run on the 16U level of Peach Jam. Obviously, just like speaking totally objectively, <laughs> Jalen was one of my favorite kids that I watched all June and July. I uh, got to see him both at this high school team in June at an event down in North Carolina um, and down at Peach Jam as well with uh, with Team CP3. And somebody that I hadn't heard of before, or hadn't seen before, had started to hear a little bit about going into you know, going into the summer and what's it's rare in today's day and age somewhat, but, but it's always fun when you get to do it as I went in, like not having seen any film, any clips, any, anything just knew I was going to watch a guard who I heard was pretty good. And as it turns out, I mean, really athletic six, three, six, four, I project as somebody who's probably going to be a point guard at the college level, but can also play off of other guards, which really gets the ball where it needs to be going at a given time plays with a lot of energy, really, really live body getting downhill to the rim. Um, Just somebody who I think, you know, it, his jump shot, you know, I'll say it's probably going to be his, his biggest weakness right now, but for something that was a purported weakness, looked <laughs> looked to be at a pretty solid level from what I saw. Um, but I think where you really see him fit the way that Fish wants to play is just what he can do playing with a lot of other guards and, and just being super versatile, playing quickly, uh, making quick decisions and, and, and unselfish decisions. When you put that in a 6'3", 6'4", long athletic frame, like you get a pretty high ceiling player. 
All right, just a, a few more from us. And again, we really, really appreciate the time. If you're somehow forwarding along in the in the in the podcast, and this isn't live radio, I was just gonna say you're joining us now, but you're you're not because it's not a live podcast. But again, Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting joining us on the scoop this week. And again, if if you're listening along here, you know just how how well he knows all these players. We could throw just about anybody at him here. Uh, another guy outside the area, Keyshawn Tillery, a point guard from the New Hampton School, plays for the the City Rocks AAU program that produced Quentin Rose, who's going to be on that Broad Street Birds uh, TBT team that's starting to play tomorrow, actually. So, uh, and Q's still up in the in the G League with the with the Knicks organization. Uh, they, that's been a really good City Rocks AAU program. So Temple's had a little bit of experience recruiting up there. Um, what can you tell us about Keyshawn Tillery? Yeah, Key's a guy that's really was a little bit off the radar, then had a, I'd say blew up over the course of the prep school season, but the way the NEPSAC gets covered sort of blew up within the region, didn't didn't blow up as much in terms of his recruitment or his national exposure. Uh, that kind of waited until the spring where he came out and did the same things he was doing with New Hampton at the prep school level against you know, 18, 19-year-olds and grown men mostly, came out and did the same thing playing up on the 17-U-Y-B-L, the playing He's behind probably- He's probably like maybe one of the shorter guys we're talking about here, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'd say certainly the guys we talked about the shortest. Probably the only guy that I describe is just like a very pure uh, point guard. You, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't offer the type of versatility that a guy like KJ Cochran does, where he's going to guard. You know, just from a physical standpoint, be able to play multiple positions and um you know guard a lot of different guys Keyshawn's a very traditional you know 5'10 5'11 put the ball in his hands let him play pick and roll let him make decisions for your offense can 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 really create his own shot as well and I think that's where you've seen him make the most strides is coming into prep school stepping up to the 17u level where hey like we don't need you to be a small scoring guard we need you for our team to be a floor general and a point guard who's also a threat to score and he's done a really really good job of that while staying efficient yeah, you know, and just continuing to round out his game as, as as that lead guard, that floor general that he's kind of going to have to be at his size going forward. I'd say, um, you know, lo- locally, the best name that I'd, I'd be able to throw out is kind of a comparison. And it's one that I think it's pretty apt is, you know, is, uh, is Rob Wright, just in terms of style of play and, mm. and um, more compact guard, but pretty strong and doesn't play as as small as his stature might indicate because of pretty high of praise. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, Rob's a top 50 kid in the country, obviously, you know, Rob's going to Baylor. Like, right. I think, you know, I think there's work to be done for Keyshawn to get to that level, but you know, as someone who knows some of the people around him, like Rob's a guy that I've always said, Hey, like you guys should have Keyshawn watching. You guys should have Keyshawn study some of the stuff that, that, that he does. Cause just style of play wise are very, very similar. Uh, a couple more, if you have time, this is another mailbag question. I can't remember the last time we got a mailbag question submitted to our Al scoop Gmail uh, address from, uh, I guess I'm, I'm assuming an Al Scoop uh, podcast uh, listener, Scoop listener, Brad Stewart, chiming in on email. His question, again, the question of the hour now with college basketball, can Temple succeed without a baseline NIL program? Depends on your definition of success. I, I'd say like if if they're going to succeed, and, and, and I guess it depends on your definition of baseline too. Right. Uh, no, I mean, the, you know, I, 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 if they want to win the American conference and compete for NCAA tournaments, I mean, n- no, I don't think that's possible, but I also think to say that Temple doesn't have a quote unquote baseline NAL program. I think, I, I, again, that depends on your definition of baseline. <laughs> um, I mean, so, so no, I mean, it, it it's, we, we can talk around it or we can not. I mean, it's a huge, huge, huge part of, of modern recruiting. I think it's a huge part of why, frankly, why Adam Fisher was, what, what was a good hire for where Temple is as, as a program right now. Um, in, in my opinion, and from what I know of, of the options that were there, but, but yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be, be a factor in their recruiting. I think they're also realistic of 
we are not going to be at the top of the pecking order when it comes to that. So how are we going to be able to recruit? A re how are we going to be able to both build it up to where we're, we're competitive, but also identify other areas where, where we can excel or other maybe, you know, inefficiencies in the market that we might be able to, to capitalize on. I was going to say that would be my natural follow-up. And you and I've been talking about this over the last several months. I mean, let's say, and again, this is hypothetical again, like a lot, a lot of people from his time at Miami, from his time at Penn state. And again, things have changed, but you know, fish has been known as a charismatic tireless recruiter. Like you said earlier yeah. in, the, in the conversation, he's, he's a chameleon. He can blend into a lot of different environments. Is it a situation where fish could maybe get them across the finish line with a guy where like temples collective is coming up? If there's, you know, the, there's the tough fund that is the one collective the temple has for basketball. And if they're able to get a kid X amount of dollars, X amount of opportunities, and another school is potentially offering more money that collectives potentially offering yeah. more money is fish the type of guy where a kid might say yeah i'm monetarily yeah. i might get a better package at this school but adam fisher kind of appeals yeah. to me more than this other staff does yeah no i mean i i, I think that has to be the goal because it it because it's easy to say oh we're just going to out evaluate and we're just going to take a bunch of kids that nobody else wants and we're going right. to you, you know identify the, 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 the diamonds in the rough and, or we're going to develop them or whatever. And, and, and there's room for some of that. And, and as somebody who does what I do, like, I'd love to advocate that there'd be room for more of that, but, but you're not going to hit hundred percent on those. It's why they're the, the, those kids are there. So no, if you're going to swing higher, you're going to out recruit some people, they, you know, some quote unquote higher level schools or some, some bigger name collectives, frankly, some, some bigger, deeper pocketed collectives. Yeah, no, I mean, that, 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 that has to be part of it. Um, and I think that has to be the, the, the hope for them. But you also have to be smarter to know that there's certain kids where that's not going to be an option. There's certain, and just from the reality of where certain kids are, and and some of these numbers, some of these numbers could be just totally made up. So, like, say you're getting offered ten thousand dollars by one school and one hundred fifty from another school, a lot of the kids that are in that position aren't in a socioeconomic position where even if they might love a coach, they can't turn down one hundred forty thousand dollar difference, right? For for the sake of their relationship with the coach, there's other kids, and again, that's a, a very extreme example. Um, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars versus 150. There's a lot of kids that, that are in the position where, Hey, if they really like this coach and they really have a comfort level and think that's going to be the best place for them, that their families are in a position where that's more than acceptable and an appropriate decision for them to make. And so I think communication and, and, um, identifying some of that stuff on the front end of, Hey, what's important to you in your recruiting process sort of helps Temple be able to weed some Temple and a lot of other schools be able to weed some of that out on the front end. And then ultimately you hope that it, you, you know, it does come down to that relationship piece and, and that still matters. I don't want, you know, listeners to think that it's just a matter of every single kid is just going to the highest bidder. That's not the case. Like anything else and like any of our jobs or anything, it, 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 you know, it's another factor and it's a very important one, but it isn't the only one. Um, and those relationships still matter. And, and, and it's also just a matter, like I said, it's being strategic of, Hey, like maybe this, this kid is the one we invest our time in, but this kid who we know, you know maybe comes from a, a, a little different situation and, and is going to be able to make a more, you know, just gut feel decision. That's where we're going to invest our time, even though we know he's going to have power five offers. One last question for you. And it's probably a hard one to answer at this point in July. Do you know, I, I feel like all of us, when we look ahead and, you know, there's still practice to look at, and then you talk to the coaches who looks good. Do you know what at all to expect from this temple roster this year under Adam Fisher? Because yeah, obviously they lost some good players. They lost Damian Dunn. They, you know, they lose Jameel Reynolds. They lose Zach Hicks, who you obviously very familiar with. You you were on Zach, you know, several years ago. Um, Caleb Battle, 
how does he score the ball, but has ups and downs at Temple. And then some of these guys that they added in the portal maybe weren't on your radar back then. Like Steve Settle was on a loaded DeMatha team, but was like the sixth or seventh guy in the pecking order there. Jordan Riley had a higher level recruitment, uh, had his ups and downs at Georgetown. I know they like him so far. Matteo Piccarelli was at UMBC, Quante Berry, redshirted at Providence. Um, what, and then you've got the returning guys like like Fabe, like I see Miller, Jaleel White, and maybe Jaleel benefits from a, a coaching change, gets his, gets his confidence back. Do you know at all what to expect from this team heading into the season? Uh, honestly, not much. And and frankly, part of that is I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit, given the nature of what I do. Like, but it, but it's I'm I'm not alone by any stretches. I'm in the point right now where like between now and November, I basically need to play catch up on like who is on what college basketball team. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's and, very real. Yep. No, and obviously you know being in the thick of the portal world, it's like I know what kids went in, and I know what kids uh you know in a vacuum. If you ask me this kid, I'll, oh yeah, no, I know he went there. But if you ask me to name like who is on this team, <laughs> it's a lot harder to do. Um. <laughs> so that being said, it, it, no, I I I I'd be lying if I said I had a great um estimation of what this team's going to look like, um or 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 how they're going to stack up in the American. I try to stick to my strengths, <laughs> um, and that's not going to be one of them. I mean, like I said, I think style of play wise is where I could definitely see you're going to see Fish look to to shoot the ball a lot, spread the ball around, a little bit more ball movement, more player movement than you've probably seen over the last few years. Um, you know, and again, I don't think it's going to be perfect from day one. It's not a full full group of uh, you know guys that are tailor-made to that necessarily, like like he's going to want it to be over the next few years. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can just say, like, I know a guy who, who um, you know, and, and – and, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Like it's the guy who's who, who's impressed some of the staff a little bit has been Zion Stanford as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's somebody that not a lot of people knew necessarily what to expect coming in right away. And then especially once, um, you know, I think being brought in under the previous staff was expected to be a little bit more of a developmental guy, but this was so much turnover on the roster. I think is a guy who's, who's been a pleasant surprise in the little stuff they've been able to do so far and, and has opened some eyes. And I, um, you know, I think Jordan Riley from what I, 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 I gather too from Georgetown, is a guy that uh that has definitely opened some eyes um yeah. so far and the the offseason stuff they've been able to get to 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 be doing. So good stuff as always, Ari. Appreciate it. We'll get together soon. Absolutely. Thanks for spending so much time with us. I appreciate it, buddy. Yep, always a pleasure, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ari. A big, big thank you to Ari Rosenfeld. Again, if that should uh satisfy your temple basketball recruiting fix. And again, we'll we'll have more coverage for you in the coming weeks and months, of course. Uh, again, things could always change, but I would think that Adam Fisher and his staff might be a tad more portal heavy in 2024, but we'll see. But I, I would expect them to make a big push with that 2025 class. As already said there, it sounds like Adam and his staff aren't going to be afraid to take a couple of big swings at guys, uh, some highly ranked guys, some guys that maybe aren't as highly ranked, but um, it'll be fun to follow this. So big, big thank you to to Ari for all the the great, great information he gave us there. And TBT season is coming up. So the Broad Street Birds are going to be, if you're listening on Thursday morning, ESPN2 today at 4 p.m. And then Khalif Wyatt's Big Five TBT team is going to open up play against the defending champions, Blue Collar U on July 24th. Riley Hollis Jefferson, CJ Aiken, Clifton Moore, Marcus Kennedy. Uh, we're going to be able to get you some TBT coverage. We could be on site if either one of those teams gets to Philly eventually but we'll have some coverage of, of those games and have uh get some interviews we should be able to get some access to some of the guys remotely so we'll be covering that as well uh on the football recruiting front now 
uh, Temple did from the time we recruited last week to now. Uh, Temple's now up to six verbal commitments for football. Uh, they got a commitment, verbal commitment from Adrian Lang uh, from Paramus Catholic up in North Jersey. He's a six foot one, 170 pound cornerback. Um, just he, according to the offers that he has reported and talked about, uh, Michigan State, Syracuse, West Virginia, um, I think he had pared it down to, to Central Michigan. Maryland and Michigan State and Temple, right? Declan, you Declan, you you talk to him. Um, if you check out Declan's story on Adrian Lang on the site, on the surface, again, we say it especially with football, it's a little bit more of a long game, but in terms of getting that six verbal commitment for the 2024 class, seems like a pretty good pickup for Temple. Um, Declan, not that you have to go to the go into the story word for word, but just give listeners a scan of, of what you guys what you guys talked about recently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh it's a he's Adrian Lang's a kid that is very quick. He's very speedy. He is a two-sport athlete, runs track, does a whole host of events that couldn't I couldn't fit in the article, but he recently competed with his team, Paramus Catholic, at Nationals. So he's unbelievable. They had to actually move his visit because he had to go compete with his team. So he had to move. He, he mentioned a lot in the interview, feeling like a priority from Temple. And you know, you look at the list of schools that he chose between and you see Temple and that's that's a huge win, honestly, I think, in mm-hmm. my opinion, for Drayton and his staff. Uh, but something that Adrian mentioned a lot was just feeling like a priority when he entered the building. He felt like he was family and that's what he was looking for at the next level. Um, his Instagram live, he had to push back because he wanted to be around his family. So that's something that's really big for him. And that's something that we've heard out of both out of spring practices and mm-hmm. out of recruits that have committed in the past as well, talking about Drayton and everybody on that staff. So um, and then he talked a lot about, you know, his his time in high school, how that kind of how he got to this point, um, how he shifted his mentality over the past year, especially uh, he was going through a tough time in the first couple of years of high school. And now, um, you know, he was he was very grateful looking back on that time. So it's a really good, I think, you know, not to toot my own horn. It's a really good insight into, into (laughs) this kid who, who could maybe play a really significant role at temple in the future. So um, yeah, big time win for them recruiting wise. And, and they just keep adding to, to that class. We should uh, in terms of talking about recruiting along those lines uh, it's not football, but um, Diane Richardson doing a hell of a job on the recruiting oh, yeah. trail for the Temple Women's Basketball Program. She just picked up a verbal commitment a couple of days ago from Savannah Curry, another player you wrote about, Declan. You're actually supposed to talk to her, uh, what, later this week, right? Yes, hopefully. Um, so we have, I mean, a little something up on the site right now just about her commitment. Um, a five foot eleven guard played at West Town. Um, she's the third commit from the 2024 class. So blue star basketball, they're one of the the groups out there that, that ranks women's basketball players. They have a ranked as the 37th overall player in the 2024 class. I mean, that's a, you know, if depending on how much stock you put in rankings, that's a heck of a pull for, for Diane Richardson, really revamping, excuse me, and rebuilding that temple women's basketball program. You guys have covered the beat, you know, more than, than I have. We cover women's basketball at Scoop, but you guys know, uh, Diane much more than I do. She's, she seems, I mean, she's an experienced coach, very charismatic, super easy, very like high energy, but like uh, just a hell of a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. Again, she, she, you know, 
a player like Savannah Curry, she plays at West Ham, but she has roots in Baltimore. And it seems like those ties down there are really starting to, to pay off for her now. So um, she's had a good summer. So that she joins that class with um, Adina Webster and then um, Andrew Alexander, who's a really good shooter from uh, Shabbat Christian Academy down in Maryland. So that's looking again so far, as we always say, you have to see how players do when they get to campus, but Diane's really, really doing well on the recruiting trail so far. And we knew that coming in, right? Like that yeah. was a big part of the the push for her was that she was she built a heck of a program at Towson and it was all yeah. through recruiting. And, you know, you sit down with with Coach Richardson for maybe five minutes and you're just enthralled with everything she has to say. Like she's such a dynamic person. Um, she can build a heck of a relationship. I mean, we've had our run ins this year, uh, like you mentioned. So she's just she's a great person. And, and you can tell that people that come to Temple love her. And there's a reason that she's getting somebody like Savannah Curry, who's had a heck of a, the heck of a career, heck of a year as well. Uh, you know, both on the AAU circuit and at West town, uh, they West town as well made it to nationals. So there you go. But, uh, like it, it's just a, it's a very big win for her as well. A lot of guards coming in, which fits in with, you know, coach rich saying equal opportunity offense, everybody's going to get a chance to score. Um, all three can score at different levels. Uh, you know, all three members of the 2024 class, I should say. Um, so I think it really fits her, you know, what she wants to do with this offense. And it's going to really be really interesting to see, you know, as she keeps going down this 2025 trail. I believe she's offered, oh, I think seven people is what I counted yesterday mm-hmm. Yeah, um, out of the 2024 class. So, or 2025, 2025 class, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my fault. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see with that as well. Yeah, so a lot of good, a lot of good recruiting energy around the Temple Women's program right now. So uh, again, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that as well, because again, they're going to have a lot of roster turnover. Um, that's part of just the rebuilding process over there. So very, very significant pickup for Diane Richardson and her staff. Uh, we do have some mailbag questions that did not pertain to Ari that, that we need to get to here uh, from the message board. An Al Scoop subscriber, TJ Clark, threw a couple of different questions at us for this week uh these are football related and then we have another one here from the message board for basketball to close things out uh the subscriber tj clark uh we'll get to a couple other questions here if you had to bet right now will the defense be better or worse in sacks points allowed rushing yards allowed and passing yards allowed so let's just go conference wise so temple led the american with 38 sacks they were seventh in points allowed 29.3 29.3 points per game, eighth in rushing yards allowed, 192.6 yards per game, and then just second in passing yards allowed with 198.6. I, look, I think some of that is you can attribute to the defense. I think some of that, and I'm going to sound like a negative Nancy when I say that, I think teams knew that they could kind of gash Temple on the ground a little bit. Um they did play Navy, so Navy's not going to throw the ball. I know that's just one game out of the schedule, but um, you do sound like a negative Nancy. By thank the way. you, I do my best. Um, I'll. I, you want me to go first on this? If I'm just doing, please go ahead. Here. Um, are they going to be better or worse in sacks? If you lead the conference in sacks with 38 one season, look, I mean, there's. I don't want to say there's nowhere to go but down, but hey, if they lead the conference in sacks again and they get 41 sacks, 
kudos to them. I mean, that's a, that's a nice development for them, but um, you know, I think with, I think DJ Elliott did a great job with what he had to work with. And again, he had some talent on the roster, but you know, what he was, what he was able to do in, in that one season with, you know, and obviously Leighton Jordan did well, Darian Varner did well, but it wasn't like they were just, you know, that the sacks came from a little bit of everybody. Now, DJ Elliott goes to the Eagles to be their linebackers coach. Everett Withers becomes their defensive coordinator. Now he was Stan's chief of staff last year, but Everett Withers is a very, very experienced college football coach. Some of the players that we've gotten the chance to talk to so far have said, hey, we don't really expect to miss much of a beat. He knows this program. He knows what to accept. And excuse me, he knows what to expect. He doesn't really plan, at least he says, on, on changing the scheme all that much. I'm sure he'll put in some of his new wrinkles. So I don't want to imply that there's going to be a huge drop-off with DJ leaving. I think Everett knows what he's doing. To say that they're going to get more than 38 sacks, I don't know. Maybe, you know, Leighton Jordan has a really dynamic year. Maybe some other guys start to turn the corner. Maybe they do some of the same things with simulated pressures and different creative blitz packages. My guess is they're going to fall a little short of that. So I think they'll be worse in sacks. I would say that, I don't know, maybe they'll be better in points allowed. You know, it stands right in second year, second year in his system. Again, change in defensive coordinator, but similar system. I think they'll be better and deeper in certain areas. I don't think the schedule is necessarily easy. And again, you're getting some, some of the, like one of the teams that's coming over and then one of the new teams like UTSA, it's not like you're getting a bunch of cupcakes with, with new additions to the league, but I do think they'll, that they'll take a step forward and points allowed. I think their rush defense will be better. It has to be better. It should be better. Second and passing yards allowed. I, I think that will go up just because I think teams will approach them differently offensively, but yeah, you know, I still think it's possible for them to be a good solid defense, even if they're allowing more than, 200 yards a game through the air. I mean, it's a pass heavy sport period. It's going to be a very pass heavy. The American has always been, most leagues are now spread out. So I think they'll be worse. I think that statistically, I think they'll be worse in passing yards allowed, worse in sacks, better in points allowed and better in rushing yards allowed. So it wasn't a super rapid list to go through, but it's my best effort. What about yeah. you? No, I agree. I think that they got a lot of depth defensively as well, which which helps. There were a lot of injuries that that defense dealt with last year. Um, but the thing with sacks, especially, you know, seven and a half of those 38 sacks were Darian Varner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's no question about it. That's a big loss for that defense. Yeah. And like I said, Lado could have a better year. What's fun, I guess you could say this about virtually any other program, but almost every year, there's a, a an edge rusher or some defensive lineman who makes progress going back to oh, yeah. the Matt Ioannidis of the world and the Hassan Reddicks of the world. And those guys are uh, obviously made it and continue to make a heck of a lot of money in the NFL. But I don't know. I mean, maybe again, so much of this, it's early, but you know, preseason camp is going to be upon us very quickly in a couple of weeks. Um, is a redshirt freshman like does a redshirt freshman like Zamar Grove, who who they seem to be pretty high on? Does he explode onto the scene and and, and shake loose for five or six sacks? Do they deploy Jordan McGee? I don't want to say differently. Does he shake loose for a couple more sacks? So I'm not saying it's it's impossible, but I don't know. They set the bar they set the bar high, fairly high yeah. last year. So yeah, I, I mean they theme. were close to top in the nation. 
Like that's yeah. that's a big deal. Um, yeah. And one last thing, you mentioned it, Everett Withers being a part of the staff and now stepping up when a guy like DJ, DJ Elliott moves on. Mm-hmm. That's big too, because a lot of that growth that they had last season can maybe continue because they have the keys to, yeah. to success that they had in the past. So yeah, I think that also helps. I think, you know, I think I, like I said, I agree. Yeah. Um, another question here he has for us, TJ Clark, again, an Scoop subscriber. This is a question from our message board. Last year's recruiting class at wide receiver seemed to emphasize speed over size. All the wide receivers are about 5'11". Which wide receiver recruit has the most potential to see snaps either on offense or in the return game? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. We would kind of be, I don't want to say we'd be taking shots in the dark here. Like again, we'll, we'll, we would probably be able to better answer this question in a few weeks when you just start. And again, just in case this is your first time listening to the pod, unless they change things up drastically, we don't get to cover college football preseason camp like guys at the inquire writers and reporters at the inquire and other media outlets get to cover maybe an nfl preseason camp chances are it's going to be first 15 minutes stretching photographers getting b-roll stuff like that but you do your best to ask coaches position coaches who's standing out and then you just sit back and and see if they they give you anything or if they're just trying to play their cards close to the vest yeah i they they're bringing in some receivers that they like who are they going to be truly excited about who can contribute i don't know yet is it going to be like a richard dandridge who had a really good high school career down in florida a guy who was teetering on some um, miami interest maybe he comes in and impresses right away and maybe he gets some playing time or maybe he's a, a guy in the return game is it a guy like uh, like a Zaheem Coleman Frazier, a local kid from from Timber Creek. Um, is it a guy like a like a Xavier Irvin, another another Florida guy? Um, is it a like a guy like a Preston Everhart who came in mid-year, a guy who's kind of been, uh, I think Preston was one of the guys who like came in. He's from Ohio, played at the Hunt School, was a lacrosse player. He's a slot guy, but a few people I've talked to say that he has picked up the game pretty quickly. He's picked up Temple's offense pretty quickly. It's hard to say. It's really, really hard to say. And I think we did talk about it in a previous podcast. And I think Kyle brought it up too. Maybe Ramir brought it up too. Yeah, they don't, you know, Dewan Mathis is probably their their biggest receiver in terms of like catch radius, size, length. Uh, Ian Stewart's around like 6'3". So I guess you'd call him like he's got some good size, but yeah, a lot of them are, are smaller, faster receivers. Which one of them shakes loose to make a difference as a true freshman? We'll see. Again, that's where Temple could maybe do some some damage early on with like the early part of their schedule. You know, guys get get some plays under their belt, get confident. But I don't have a great great read on it just yet. Saheem Coleman Frazier would be interesting. He's fast. He didn't have a ton of. I don't think he really had like any high major offers when Temple got him. You usually are met with the same or similar chorus of reactions when people say, how many stars does he have? Who else offered him? Why aren't there bigger programs who would have offered him? And nine times out of 10, we say, let's see how this plays out. Temple has had to take developmental guys. They trust the tape, yada, yada, yada. We'll see. But um, there'll be a cool local story if he's a guy that does make an, an instant impact. He's fast. We know that much. Is he, you know, 
a lot of these guys, if they're playing as true freshmen, they're not going to get the chance to redshirt. Some of these guys we're talking about, Zaheem Coleman-Frazier, I don't believe was a mid-year guy. So we'll see. Um, but again, be a cool local story if it worked out for him where he did make an instant impact. Final mailbag question to close out this week's episode. This comes from Temple J, a screen name from the Temple basketball message board. His question, has the change in coaching staff has the change in the coaching staff changed the perception, the recruiting perception of the Owls? Can we enter doors that we found shut before, or is it purely about NIL? Well, good question. I think we got into a lot of that with Ari. I, I think that, as you heard Ari say, and as we talked about with Ari, I I don't know that Aaron was ever really afraid to recruit higher-profile guys, but there were a lot of high-profile guys or higher-profile guys that they didn't get, like Stevie Mitchell, like a Dan Skillings and, you know, it, it cost him, of course. Um, I, as we talked about with Ari, I don't think he's going to be afraid to go after higher profile guys. He wasn't afraid to at Miami. He wasn't afraid to at Penn state. Of course, when you have Miami's reputation, you have Jim Laranega, it, it helps to get, I'm not trying to take anything away from fish. Cause he did a great job of recruiting the Isaiah Wong's the world, the, you know, Wooga poplars. And I, I do think he is going to, as Ari said, take some swings at some at some higher rank guys. So I think they 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 could. Anytime there's a change in staff, uh, it's not like Adam Fisher is going to come in with a completely different philosophy than Aaron McKee had, but I do think it'll switch things up a little bit. I think I think that Adam Fisher, I think we've said this before, I think he is more cut out to be a modern day 2023 college basketball coach. And I do think that they will try to open some doors that weren't open before how much of it is based purely on nil as we talked about with ari nil matters you know that it absolutely matters but could adam fisher or a guy on his staff a michael huger you know um a bobby jordan a chris clark could they be the difference if if uh, a collective is is offering one kid x amount of dollars and you know uh an NIL package that a guy's looking at at Temple is slightly lower, but they like their relationship with Adam Fisher. Yeah, sure, I could, I could see that happening, but I think it's it's changed the recruiting perception. I, again, I just think Adam is a, a guy who thrives on this. Again, we'll see. He's 0-0 right now. He's not won a game. He's not lost a game. He has not gotten his first verbal commitment yet, but he is a very, very, very tenacious, energetic genuine recruiter. I mean, I think he's respected as a recruiter. So yeah, I think you could see it change the perception. And I think they could enter doors that were found shut before Temple J. But of course the, the issue is always, can they close the deal on them? Again, I think I would be mildly surprised if they signed more than two high school players in the 2024 class. Again, as we've been saying, the roster could, could turn over year to year. That could change, but I think they will be more portal heavy in 2024 2025 is where I think you're going to really get the answer to your question there. Any thoughts, Declan? Yeah, I think uh, to you terribly... have thoughts. Oh, always. Some say too many. Um, <laughs> to terribly quote a Beatles song, you know, money can't buy you love, right? So you could get all the money in the world. And if you don't vibe with the program or you don't vibe with the school, you're, why would you go? You know, like, why not find a program that maybe you you mess with a little more? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that was terrible. And uh, I got off. I just I slowed my own momentum. 
But yes, I do think it matters. I think we've heard from recruits that it matters. Um, we've heard that, you know, people make decisions. I mean, we talked about it earlier. You know, Adrian Lang mentioned how much it mattered to him that Temple treated him like a priority and treated him like family. Like recruits speaking generally are, are you know, sometimes are looking for a program that, that cares about them and um, values them as a person, that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, I think it definitely does. Should I be like a game show judge and say on a technicality, it's can't buy me love, not money. Can't, can't buy you love. I said to badly, did I say quote or paraphrase? Cause in my head I was thinking paraphrase. There you go. Yeah. Cause Team then it's great. right. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll give it to you. Thanks. I'll, I'll go back and I'll edit it. And I'll over it. I'll say paraphrase, but I won't actually do that. And I'll go back and I'll go back and unedit. It'll be like Declan was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, a big, big thank you to Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Thank you all for submitting mailbag questions, both for Ari and for us as a staff. Football preseason camp right around the corner. We'll cover as much as we can for you. Football, basketball, recruiting, everything in between. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you, Declan, for, for joining me once again. Thank you, John, for having me. No problem. No problem. We'll talk to you guys next week.